Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We want to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us today, we are so glad you are here with us. Praise God. We hope that you're blessed. And we are still working through some bugs with, uh, uh, with our streaming. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we will be live officially that you can... Uh, if you're not able to be here, you can watch us. And uh, looks like when we make the change to Wednesday night, we will also be going live. So that's going to be awesome to be able to be able to have you connect with us as we are going and not have to go back and watch it at another time. God bless you. You can be seated today. Praise God. Don't forget, I we had a great, great crowd today. Awesome turnout for Unlocking the Bible. And I, I, I am sincerely... Am thrilled at uh, your desire to be here, be a part of that, and um, uh, encourage you to come. We'll be on lesson four next week. If you missed some of the other lessons, I encourage you to go back and watch them um, as we move forward. I'm going to try to focus today. There's a lot of green over here in this area. I'm struggling. There's some green. There's a lot of green over here. There's a lot of green. This is this is a this is some serious. So there's a serious spirit over here, green, green, green over here. I'm looking across, I didn't see other green, but there's a serious spirit over here and in the back of some green. Try to stay focused. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Special prayer meeting tonight at 630. All of you need to go to heaven. Better be there. Never mind. Praise God. Amen. I want to talk to you today, and and um I don't know if this is something that's last or, or just what God's doing right now. Seems like Sunday mornings have t- sort of taken a little bit of a turn in for right now. And God's been dealing with some things because of the way we've gone. And that is where, where, where ministry is really taking place in small groups. And we've had many reports. And not every small group is there. Some are, are at different stages. But a lot of the small groups have reported how what's been going on a Sunday morning, how that's carried into small groups, and how uh, there's been such a beautiful sort of carryover to that. Last week at the, at the Sister uh, Wright's group that uh, I attend uh, and was, was there and had an opportunity to kind of share with them. And, boy, we had a tremendous tremendous move of God there at that group. God just moved into this, into that place and in such a beautiful way. And so God's doing something. What? We're still in the process. We're, we're still on the potter's wheel, but God's doing some stuff. So today I'm going to talk about something that I'm not sure we're going to get to the fulfillment of today at this moment. But I believe for those of you that are going to go to small group today, I believe this is going to really, the fruit of it's going to bear out in small group, even though we'll see what God will do right now. I'm not dismissing that, but really it's going to carry over to small group. And, and it's not an easy subject. What I want to talk to you today about is not an easy subject. I, I, I don't think you're going to jump around and swing from the lights with just overwhelming excitement. In fact, today is going to be a little bit of surgery. We're going to do some surgery today in the Holy Ghost, and we're going to have to touch some places. And we're going to have to be like a doctor, which we all don't like. We're going to have to say, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does, ow, don't touch that. But that's okay. Because as we go forward, there are some things that we've got to deal with. 
Notice that the rules in the promised land were different than the rules in the wilderness. And the way God dealt with Achan and Ai, and not to go into all that, you know, those of you in that story, was different than the way God handled in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they murmured and complained. But in the promised land, God had a different way of dealing with it. We're in a different place in God. Antioch West is a different place in God. And I believe there's some things that because of what's coming and already has begun to come, that there's some things we cannot continue to allow to sit dormant in your heart that we've got to do with everything in us with the grace of God to get some stuff out. Hallelujah. I've been keeping sort of track of a little bit at a distance, not really into it that much, but I've read about it and watched some of it. The trial that has been taking place over the last little while, and especially the sentencing of the trial that's dealing with a man by the name of Larry Nasser, who was the United States of America gymnastics team doctor, and has been accused now of... Now it's the number is getting staggering of accused of acts and that with being a, a, a wide age in here. If you go read the story, and the judge has, as a part of punishment, has made him sit there and listen to victim impact statements. And I've watched as these young people and now older. Women have come through here and come through one after another and poured their, poured out their heart. And I, 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 I watched several days ago. It was a, it was a big thing on social media. I'm not on social media, but it was all over social media in the newspaper. I, I follow, it was a couple of newspapers that I read online a lot. And so it was all over the place. And maybe you saw it or didn't see it, but there, there was a, several days ago, there was a father that was given the opportunity to speak to this man. And this father, as a father of, of, two, of three children, I can't imagine the pain in this father's heart. This father was speaking to this man, and his, this father, all three daughters were victims. And he made this statement to the judge, and we understand that from a legal legality of it, it was a crazy statement, but I understand from his pain why he made the statement. He asked the judge this, he said, Your Honor, would you give me five minutes with this man? Five minutes alone with him. That's all I want. Of course, the judge responded simply back, I can't do that. He said, give me one minute. The judge responded back, I can't do that. And finally, in his pain, you could see it. If you watch the clip and the video, you could see it. It was tangible. He just finally had had enough. He said, well, I'm going to take my time right now. And he proceeded to rush around the witness stand and plow headfirst trying to get to this Man, get his hands on him. One punch, two punch something. But before he got there, they were to pull him back. I looked at this man and and I tried to put myself in his shoes. And I could understand why he did what he did. But got to be honest with you, and this is the hard part. I'm not sure that five minutes would have helped him. Being in that room for five minutes would have been an emotional release, but it would not have helped him deal with the pain. As hard as this 
seems to be, and I can't even imagine this, the only way out of the pain that father was dealing with was forgiveness. Here's the problem. What is forgiveness? Because when I say the only way out for that father was forgiveness, the immediate reaction by most of us was, that's crazy. How can that be? Because we don't really understand what forgiveness is. I read a survey. I, I, I collect stuff. I'm like a hoarder, but not junk. I, I'm a collector of notes, stuff, surveys. I read a paragraph that really has some good stuff in it. I'll copy and paste it. I'm a collector. I just, I just get I, my, my iPad, my notes bin, and my computer is filled with just stuff. And I came across the survey a while ago, and, and I started putting some stuff together, never did it. And when I saw this, I went back to the survey. And they asked this question. Agree or disagree with these statements of what forgiveness is? And here's what the statements were. You cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows remorse for what they did. 62% agreed that that was accurate. If you really forgive someone, you want that person to be released from the consequences of their action. 60% agreed that that was truth. If you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild a relationship with that person. 73% of the people agreed that that was the case. If you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild. Uh, if, you genuinely, if you genuinely forgive someone, you should be able to forget what they've done to you. 66% agreed. Slight problem with that. All four of those answers are biblically incorrect. That's what we have defined forgiveness to mean. But that's not what the Bible deals with when it comes to forgiveness. Because the problem is, in that statement, forgiveness is about them. But really, forgiveness is about me. Those statements deal with forgiveness about that side. But it doesn't really matter about that side. Forgiveness really is about me. I told you it's going to get tight in here. So just take a moment if we can. If, I'm going to be a little slow in here. What if you had, what if I, what if you came to me and you sat down with me as your pastor, if you believe I am your pastor, don't say that to be slighted. If you, if you said, you know, coming to you as pastor, I need your guidance. And you came to me, you, you shared with me. Your hurt, your pain. What if I said to you, you know what? What was done to you is so awful, so terrible. You don't have to forgive. Don't forgive. You need to hold on to this. Because what was done to you is so bad, you need to grab a hold of this. What would you think of me? Because let's just take a moment. We're, getting, we're not going to be long today because you won't be able to handle it. The deeper you go, the, 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 you can't stay down there too deep. 
the pressure is starting to build. You can swim on the earth's surface for hours. You get deep in the water, it gets the pressure. We're not properly suited up today. I can feel it. It's getting tight. And they communicate with topside. We're going down. So let's look a little closer here. Why I can't forgive. I'm not going to ask you to say today who of here is battling with a forgiveness issue in your life today. That's going to be between you and the Lord and whether or not small group allows you to share that. The question today is, why can I, God, why I can't forgive? And really, what are the justifications that we use for the lack of forgiveness that we have? Well, here's number one. Forgiveness We feel like we can't forgive because in our opinion, forgiveness denies the seriousness of sin. Number one, forgiveness denies the seriousness of sin. Because many people believe that by forgiving, we are denying the severity of the offense. Like saying that what our offender did wrong doesn't really matter. That's not forgiveness. Because Proverbs says this. Beginning a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Solomon is really telling us is that the seed that gets in us, the seed that's planted by these things, it's not saying big or small because I'm sorry, some of those painful things, you ever got a paper cut? My goodness. Bottom line is Solomon's saying there's some things, not all things, and this is a, there's a couple of categories here, so I'm going to make this statement knowing that this is not saying every case. But let's be honest. There's some things that if you would just let go instead of letting it fester inside of you, you wouldn't be where you are today. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. I've sat across from people and talked to them, and all this stuff spews out. And when you go back to the origin of it, i got to be honest with you, it wasn't very earth-shaking. I've had people leave church and not come back because they got a wrong look. Seriously. Someone, I know this is funny, but it's true. Someone could have indigestion, looking around and go, And somebody's going to say, did you see they looked at me and they don't like me with disdain? You're laughing because you know it's true. How about this? God forbid you walk by somebody and they don't shake your hand. God forbid. You know why? i got to be honest with you. Some people are not very thoughtful. I'm not saying they're bad people. We got people in here, you got you are the most kind-hearted, thoughtful human beings. I'm married to one. I mean that. My wife thinks of everything and everybody. To the point sometimes I get mad at her because it causes her to she'll put herself before. I mean, she's just selfless. Me? She gotta remind me to think of other people. I'm not, it's not that I'm a selfish, but it's just, I, it's, a, it's a deal. So you know what? There are times that when I come, I got to be conscious 
to make sure I smile, shake hands. Because if not, I'll just come in and go out. Not that I'm rude. It's just, that's, that's just the way I am. But you know the problem is, if you got things in your heart, you take that as, I don't like you. Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes you come to church, you got a bad day. Sometimes you go to church, you don't feel good. I don't want to shake your hand because I don't need those cooties. Keep your flu to yourself. We need to become a fist bump church. Boom. Boom. Air hugs. But here's the problem. That's the problem. Here's the deal. Some people believe that when God forgives our sin, he overlooks our sin. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Forgiveness does not overlook action. Why say that? The Bible says, the Lord is slow to anger, but his power is great. He never lets the guilty go unpunished. Notice this, you ready? God's mercy cannot override his holiness. God's mercy cannot override his holiness. Sin demands payment. So forgiveness is not about overlooking the action or denying the severity of the action. Number one, why can't I forgive? Number two, this is the big one. If you can name one, this to me is the, is the big one. I can't forgive because forgiveness lets people off the hook too easily. Come on, you know that's the case. Can't forgive it. I forgive. That's, that's giving up too easily. And partly is, and this is a big deal, especially in situations of continuing. The biggest concern in forgiveness and forgiving is the fear of further abuse. The struggle of forgiveness is what if it happens again? I'll forgive this time, but you know good and well you forgive an individual. Boy, it's getting, boy, it's getting tight in here. It's okay. Woo. You forgive an individual, but you know that individual, and you know they're not changing, and you know that the event you're forgiving them for is more than likely going to happen again. So as a response to that, you would choose, why forgive? What's the point? Why forgive? What's the point? Because you know what? It's a very biblical question. Because Peter said the same thing. Peter came and asked the Lord, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? How many times, the question I have to ask you today, how many times are you willing to forgive a person for committing the same serious offense against you? Peter seemed pretty generous. Seven times to me seems pretty good. You know what the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Seven times seems like a pretty good number. Come on, that's God's number, right? Seven. 
I'm on my way to heaven. Seven seems like God's number. So that's pretty good, right? Because you know what, God? Shouldn't I have a limit? Shouldn't forgiveness have a limit? I'm doing this thing, I'm forgiven, but they keep doing the same thing, and I've forgiven and forgiven. But God, i got to be honest with you, I'm getting tired of forgiving the whole thing. My, my forgiveness tank is running on E. Third thing. Why can't I forgive? Forgiveness desires, denies the seriousness of sin. Forgiveness lets them off the hook too easily. Third thing in, forgiveness places too much responsibility on the victim. Boy, it's getting tight in here. It's a really good argument to the fact that convincing someone to let go of their pain and deny the desire for justice is placing too much responsibility on the offended instead of the offender. Blaming the victim instead of the victimizer. Sounds good. Sounds like a really good explanation. But the word of God gives us a distinct impression that he does not exempt us from tasks just because they are unfair or difficult. It's not easy sometimes. Let me ask you this. Is it unreasonable for God to expect this of us? It doesn't seem right that a victim would have to struggle for years to get over a victory, to get victory over something that they didn't cause or deserve. While their offender just goes on with life as if nothing happened. Number four, and this is probably the icing on the cake, is simply this. Forgiveness is unfair. We understand that all of this stuff sort of works together, but when it gets down to it, the bottom line is we just flat out believe forgiveness is unfair. These are sort of the things that we play. These are the sort of the games that we play when it comes to dealing with things, especially when it comes to dealing with things caused by outside influences. Forgiveness is denying the fact what they did was so bad. Forgiveness just lets them off the hook too easily. Forgiveness is way too much responsibility. Why do I have to forgive when they're the ones that did the wrong? Because you know what, preacher? Forgiveness is just simply unfair. Bottom line, let's look at this. All of these, all these things that we talked about are actually the great misunderstandings of what forgiveness actually is. So let's, before we go to for what forgiveness is, let's look at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying the reality of your pain. Forgiveness is not letting your offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not blaming you, the victim. Forgiveness is not unfair because God can't do anything unfair. Those of you that are taking notes, I'm going to rewrite them and go back over those again. 
Forgiveness is not denying the reality of your pain. It is not letting your offender off the hook. It is not blaming you, the victim. It is not unfair. So if forgiveness is none of the above, then what is it? If you look deeper in the scripture, you find that forgiveness, the word forgiveness in the New Testament comes from the Greek word, and it comes from the idea of releasing someone from a type of obligation, most commonly a financial obligation. And ultimately, this is how Jesus most often illustrated the concept of forgiveness. Because the great misunderstanding about forgiveness is that it's simply overlooking someone else's transgression. That's not the case. The truth of the matter is that someone else has to pay. Because an offense always creates an obligation that must be satisfied. So now that we're starting to pull away from the myth of what forgiveness is and starting to realize the things we think forgiveness actually does, it's not really what forgiveness is about. So let's really start to peel in for a moment here about what is the essence of forgiveness. When we forgive, we acknowledge that a wrong has occurred. We recognize that there is an obligation for repayment. However, we we choose to release We choose to release. Matthew 18, Jesus answered Peter's question and said, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Crazy to think about that, that Peter seemed like a very generous offer of seven times, and Jesus has rebuttal back to him. How about raise that from a seven? To 490 times. What? Four hundred and ninety times. Are you kidding me? Why? Because Jesus is trying to get to the fact that really forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about me. That father having five minutes in the room with that man was really not about the father, was about taking punishment on the man. But the fact of the matter is, when the blood would have been spilled and he walked out of there with bloody knuckles, there would have been a moment of satisfaction, but still a lifetime of pain. It may have taken care of the moment of pent-up hurt that he was dealing with at that time as he looked at his three daughters and knew what had happened to them and as a father wanted vengeance, but the vengeance would not have come to the avenue in which he was seeking. Jesus turned to Peter with some crazy number and said 70 times 7. The greatest illustration that Jesus gave to us regarding this fact of forgiveness really comes from a very familiar passage of scripture that we've all read and heard and preached on and that was the story of the man who owed all the money i'm going to read it for you in the new living translation it says this for this for this reason the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him in the process one of his debtors was brought who owed him Millions of dollars he couldn't pay. 
So the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity and released him and forgave his debt. Can you imagine that? I want to ask you to raise your hand today. How many of you are sitting with debt in your life right now? Not like, I'm talking about real debt. Benjamin Franklin, you know, Alexander Hamilton Jackson debt. Real money stuff. How many of you are looking at debt in your life and you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to pay this back? Whether it was something that you occurred because of a situation you had to put on your credit card or whatever, or you just, you just enjoyed Christmas a little too much this year. And now you're looking at debt. I don't know how I'm going to pay this back. Can you imagine standing before a king? Let's get real, folks. Five minutes, okay? I'm not going to be long. We'll still make it to the Super Bowl, but give me five minutes. Imagine standing there. Can you imagine being layered with, a, with millions of dollars of debt? Forget the S on the millions. I'm just going to stick with the million. And the king looking at you and saying, I want you to repay my debt. And I go, king, I got nothing for you. And the king looks at you and says, because of that, you, your wife, all your children, everything you got, it's mine. I'm going to use it. I'm going to own it to pay off the debt. And the panic that came over that father, the panic that came over him, please, 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 please. king in his amazement and his compassion decided to let him go of this debt that's an amazing fact of the king the power of the king so let's go a little farther into this if we could and again I'm almost done I'm saying sincerely because he had no way to pay even the smallest part of the debt he begged for the king that had to be a sight to see, to see this man on the ground begging, please, king, spare us. Please, king, spare us. And we watched the, the, the process, the voluntary process the king went to release him of this death. So we talked about what forgiveness is not. We've talked about the reasons why it seems logical in my mind I cannot forgive but let's go a little farther and talk about there are some good reasons why I should choose to release my offender. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have a choice. What I'm going to tell you in the next five minutes is a choice that you must make. But really, it's not a choice that should leave you out of this place with your head hang, held, held, held low and hanging low. But it's something that should compel you to desire to forgive. Because you realize there are benefits in forgiveness. Because really we don't understand forgiveness. Because we don't realize the beauty and the, forgive, the, the benefits that come in forgiveness. So let's look at four strong reasons why I should forgive. So he talked about why I can't forgive. Let's look at some reasons why I should forgive. First of all, forgiveness is the only way to settle a debt. What other option did the king have? You tell me. There's no way that that man's 
own, own life, his children, his wife, and his possessions were going to be even remotely enough to even come close to paying off the debt. He had no money. It's like people that get sued that don't have a penny to their name. Sue him for what? I'm going to sue you today, Esteban, for $10 million. Exactly. What does it matter? He's like, go ahead, fire away. You have $10 million? Okay, go ahead. We need to talk. Yes. Yes, that was his mom in case she didn't know that. Mama needs a new car, man. What did the choice did the king have? Really, he didn't have a choice. Because he was smart enough to realize that holding a debt was dumb when the debt was uncollectible. Really, think about it. What really could happen in your life to ever take away the pain that was caused to you? What really? Is there anything that is what could be just? Oh, let's say, you know, my favorite one is, which I would love, I would love Jesus gave me a zap button. A free lightning bolt. One. Just one lightning bolt. If God gave you a lightning bolt today and said you get one lightning bolt, use it sparingly. It's the only one you got. Who would you use it on? Better not ask that in here. Who would you use it on? Problem is, I've got more than one I need to use it on. That's my problem. I got one. I got to choose which one to use it on. Because the problem is, if I knock out one, I got some others. Can I split the lightning bolt? Can I line them all up and get them all in one shot? Very rarely, the bishop always talked about when shame, shame begets shame. I find that for unforgiveness breeds unforgiveness. That's the problem. And what usually starts as unforgiveness usually breeds other unforgiveness. So dealing with one, we still got the rest. So if I am looking for vengeance from one action, it's negating the fact I have pain from the other stuff. So how do I have to get released? It's not dealing with vengeance over one. It's finding the fact I've got to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. So it's making the transition that forgiveness is about vengeance and getting back at that person. But really forgiveness is about finding the lifestyle that God desires for me to live. Because really, that king, if he would have taken what he could have, it would not have made a lick of difference. Many people today struggle offering forgiveness because they are unaware that holding because they're unaware they're holding a worthless debt. But you know what? Today, i got to be honest with you. When I came to Jesus, I didn't have anything to pay off my debt. When you came to him and you stood there with all the mess, the junk in your life, it didn't matter what your life would look like. You had mess. Whether it was known or unknown, you all knew what was going on inside. And when you came to him and you stood there with all the mess in your life 
And you had no ability to pay it because the Bible says the wages of sinners, what? I'm not willing to die yet. I enjoy living. So how can I pay for something I have no ability to pay for? Because truly, forgiveness is the only way to break the cycle of hurt in our life. Very rarely do I find people in dealing with them and ministering to them and talking with them and sharing with them over the years, helping people through God, not by my own lick, but just through God's help, empowering, talking. Very rarely do I find people that are dealing with unforgiveness that have not got into a cycle of hurt in their life. How do I break the cycle? I've got to choose to get out of the cycle. I've got to choose. So reason number one, forgiveness is the only way to settle a debt. Number two, forgiveness frees us to go on with our life. Forgiveness frees us to move on. I can't move on as long as I'm still holding on to what I've been done to me or what should have been done or what was done. My goodness. It's like some some of our brethren around here, if you listen to them long enough, they'll tell you about the old days of their athletic prowess. When I was a young man, I could run. I love my father now, but my dad always talking about, when I was young, son, I was fast. I'm like, I don't ever remember you being fast. I think when I was born, you were where you were. I'm not... No, son, when I was young, I was fast. I ran track, son, when I was young. Okay, is there video of it? But he said it fast. So he taught my dad, in his mind, my dad's still fast. 72 years old, he's still fast. God bless him. He, is he watching today? I'm going to get in trouble. We were in Scotland. He does awesome. It's amazing to think my dad is 72 years old. It's amazing. He does awesome. 72. He's, he really is. Traveling. Literally, he just went to Singapore, which in case you never looked at a globe, happens to be on the opposite side of the world. Just came back. He's here a week. He's going to Brazil. I'll take a nap just thinking about that. 72 years old, he's doing it. But in his mind, 72, even though he's still going around, in his mind, he's still that fast teenager running track. Some of you have heard him use those... But you know what? We were in Scotland. And we had to go up these stairs to get to this castle. Whew. I got to be honest with you. My, my, my wife and my mom went off to a shop. So it was little Noah and I and the bishop. Little Noah, was he did amazing. I mean, these weren't like five steps. It was probably like a hundred some steps. It was up there. He was... You know what, Bishop? He had to stop every five steps or so and talk to Jesus for a moment. He made it. He did. But I was thinking, in my mind, thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to speak life, resurrect back from the dead, because we might, it might just happen right here. Bishop might just, it might happen right here. But in his mind, he's still flying up them steps as that teenager. 
But he realized now it ain't happening. You know what? Sometimes we live so much in the past. It's sad to see people who would have said, well, if, if I'd have got this break and I got that break, I wouldn't be where I am today. Sometimes you just got to let some go. You got to let stuff go so you can move on. You got to let it go to move on. Stop being an emotional hostage to your past. You've got the key. You're not, you're emotional hostage because you choose to be. But you've got the key. That's like being locked up in a prison, lamenting the fact you can't get out, but look down and have the fact you've got the key and there's no guard. And you have the one to choose to get out there. Set free. I got to go because I told you five minutes, I'm at seven. Number three, forgiveness is the antidote to needless suffering. It's the antidote to needless suffering. As we go farther in the story, find that not only did the king do this to this man, but then he leaves the house of the king, walking down the street, finds another man that owed him pennies. Pennies, pennies. And he looks at this man and he says, give me the debt. And the man said, I can't pay. Instead of giving him what the king gave him, his response was, throw him in jail. We know the story. If you read it, it goes on to think how crazy it was for him to do that. And the king responded back by erasing the debt. What we don't understand is this. Those who've refused to forgive enter into their own private torture chamber, sentencing themselves to a lifetime of pain. With every offense comes a choice. I can get bitter or I can get better. James Garfield, and I finish with this. James Garfield had been the president of the United States less than four months. When on July 2nd, 1881, he was shot in the back. While the president remained unconscious the doctors began to probe his wound unsuccessfully, trying to detect where the bullet had lodged itself. As he began to recover over the course of the summer, doctors, one after another, attempted to try to locate the bullet. Through July and August, the president hung to life. But in September, finally, he died. But he didn't die from the gunshot wound. He died from infection because the in repeated probing of the wound, which the doctors thought would help, ultimately became the thing that killed him. And their attempt to probe the wound, the probing and what they thought was helping was the thing that ended up causing the infection to kill him. Continually reliving the hurts and the experiences that affect us today in our life is one of the strongest arguments for the consequences of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not a moment. Truly, forgiveness is a lifestyle. Because you know what? How do I know that? Because that's what my king does to me. You know how many times I'm done?
But you know how many times I've told God, I'll never do that again. That's it. I'm throwing it away. I'm turning it off. I'm getting rid of it. I'm closing it up. I'm never doing it again. How many times we find ourselves back there, the same deal. But in that process, how many times have we ever come to God and said, God, it's, it's me again, Joel. It's, it's me again. Um, you know that thing I told you I'd never do? Um, how, how can I say this? I've done it again. And in that process, all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> Joel, because you have committed the act two times in a row, you have been sentenced to a lifetime of punishment in hell. But you know what's amazing? Every time I come back for the same thing, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose it's power. And even though I ask God, forgive me for the same thing, not just every week, Angie. <laughs> Sometimes multiple times a day for the same thing. Oh, God. I got to be honest with you. How many of you have been, I got to stop, but Jesus is not stopping, so give me just five more minutes. How many of you actually in your mind going, I can't ask God to forgive me again? Come on, you've been there. I can't ask. I just told him I would never do it again. And it's 30 minutes later. I'm doing it again. I can't do it. Because you know why? If I was God, that's how I'd feel. But he's a king who's loving and forgiving. That chooses every time to overlook that same fault, that same mistake. And the debt, Brother Owens, I cannot pay. And he chooses to forgive. So if he's forgiven me, I want to forgive. Because I want to live in that lifestyle. Because here's the danger. We know this. The danger is when I choose not to forgive, I uncover everything that he's forgiven me over. Oh, Jesus. When I choose not to forgive, that's why forgiveness is really not about you. It's about me. And really, forgiveness is not about you. It's about my relationship with my king. Because the Bible says, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen if you can't love your brother who you have seen? Why? Because forgiveness is about my relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to go farther. We're talking about going farther. We're talking about Jesus. Holiness is a name, all that stuff. With Jesus, you know what the answer to that is? We got to start with forgiveness. Some of you cannot go farther than you are until you start to forgive. Would you stand with me this morning?
some of you will stay where you are. And as Antioch West continues to move and God begins to talk, you will find yourself further and further separating yourself from the pack. And you will see as people begin to walk by, pass you by, and you can say, God, why is this happening to me? But I pray in Jesus' name you hear the echo of this. you got to choose. Turn to somebody today and tell them it's a choice.